I'm Kim Reynolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetters, just uh, doing a little bit different version of Dogman Radio. Instead of doing it in the coach's box, the AD's box, we just decided to do it in the car, make it road trip Dogman Radio on the way back to Tigard, Oregon, after Washington defeated Oregon State 19-7 to in front of an announced crowd of a little bit over 34,000. Temperature 45 degrees at kickoff. Game time was just a little over three hours, three hours and nine minutes. But uh, impressive game by the defense. Probably an epic game by the defense. Offense still struggled, Chris. But uh, just another one of the best defensive performance we've seen in quite some time. Yeah, definitely. I would say, too, well, first of all, this is probably the first Dogman radio I think we've done since in the car since maybe Apple Cup a few years back maybe 2016 no maybe it was even earlier way earlier than that I just remember it was the one where we almost got killed going back up to Spokane but anyway oh no it definitely wasn't it was the it was the one I think it was maybe Tyrone's last year where we had an epic vent yeah so I dropped we, the F-bomb yeah but we've done we've done um, some Dogman radios actually after games coming back up I-5 after Oregon games for sure. I don't remember if we did a Dogman radio after uh, you got the ticket for the improper U-turn. <laughs> yeah. By the way, it's 1.16 a.m. Pacific time in the car on the way back up to Tigard, Oregon. We're about 50 miles outside and uh, we keep on running through patches of fog, but nobody really cares about that. I think people want to know about the game. And Hey, and before we jump into the game, Big, big, big props to Mike Hopkins and uh, crowd. Huge win for the basketball team over Baylor. I was on the sidelines uh, standing next to Jen Cohen, and I kept on showing her the updates, and she was freaking out. So huge uh, huge props to the basketball team. They've got a game with a 6 o'clock tip-off on Tuesday, which I can't wait. But uh, getting back to the football game, Chris, you know, just an epic stellar, stellar performance by the defense tonight. Yeah, it was... Um it was record-setting in some ways. They hadn't. Uh, they gave up 119 total yards on defense, the lowest number they'd given in a pack given up in a Pac-12 game since 2017 uh, against California, and then actually the lowest number before that. You'd have to go all the way back to the 1991 year uh, where they played at Oregon State, and I think they gave up 83 yards if I remember correctly. So this was. Um, this was kind of a bolt out of the blue. I mean, it's I, I'm not sure I saw this one coming because this was a, an Oregon State team that was averaging, you know, a lot of points. Their offense was on fire. They had just scored 56 on the road at Arizona. Now, granted, we know Arizona is not a great defense, but still, they were piling on the points. They were doing it not only, you know, on the ground, but through the air. Jake Luton had only thrown one interception coming into tonight. And, um, yeah, it was just one of those things where they shut them down right away and they kept shutting them down Washington only gave up eight total yards to Oregon State in the second half no first downs I think the I think Oregon State was one of 13 on third down conversions which man alive if you could just take a couple of those third down conversions and and, and, and get them against Oregon or against you know Utah now all of a sudden you're talking about a whole different you know you know, season in a lot of ways. So I think this game was just a, a really telling story of of the Jimmy Lake getting the defense together and this defense starting to come of age. 
Well, it started early with the pass rush, Joe Tryon off the edge, getting that shoulder dip and getting around the edge, and uh, all of a sudden, Jake Luton's got happy feet for the rest of the game, but I think that was, you know, probably he's probably the player of the game with the amount of pressure he was able to get on the quarterback, but, you know, we talked to some of the guys after the game, and when I had a chance to talk to Elijah Molden on his pick, he said, well, that's a that's a play that they always burned me with um, in practice when I was a freshman. He said they beat, they even burned me again earlier in the game, but they didn't complete the pass, so I knew it was coming. And then had a chance to talk to Miles Bryant, and he, and he goes, yeah, he goes, it was just like the old days. It was just like practice, you know, and it just sounded like they knew what was coming. And, Chris, you mentioned earlier about the Stanford game and this, you know, and, um, you know, how they were similar but a little bit different. Tell people what you told me. Well, just the, the idea of when you talk to Washington's offense after the Stanford game, the, there were some guys out there that were basically saying, yeah, it, it was really weird. It was almost like Stanford's defense knew what we were coming with. It was almost like they could make the call before the play was even snapped. And I think in some ways, Jonathan Smith must have been feeling the same thing tonight because it certainly felt like Washington had Oregon State's number uh, whenever the Beavers came out on offense. It just felt like, you know, at least early on, that was it felt like it was the case. And then after a while, then it was almost like you could tell the frustration from the Beavers. Jake Luton just wasn't the same guy that we've seen the last few weeks. Uh, the, the Jamar Jefferson, Artavis Pierce, you know, those two guys were, were shut down for the most part. And uh, you could just tell the, the frustration was building. And then... Uh, and then they just, Washington, especially their front seven, they just kept coming. Joe Tryon, seven tackles, four and a half tackles for loss, two sacks. Uh, monster game. If he's not the Pac-12 player of the week, defensive player of the week on Monday, I'd be shocked. Yeah, Jamar Jefferson left the game early in the first quarter. I was, I believe he didn't uh, play a lot in the first half at all. He went out hurt, returned in the second half, but it didn't seem to matter. Jake Luton, um... He, it was just weird. He looked like a deer in the headlight a lot of the time. Brandon Wellington went out late in the second quarter, about four minutes left in the second quarter. He was in the injury tent and walked off to the locker room. He looked fine. When we asked uh, Pete postgame uh, about it, he just said he was dinged up, and then he just kind of looked at us like, you know, he never wants to tell us what's going on with a guy, but then he said, head. <laughs> you know, so uh, probably a concussion of some type with uh, Brandon Wellington. But, boy, the guy who stepped up, Eddie Ulafosio. What did he have, 11 tackles, was it? Uh, I don't know. I think he may have had seven or so. No, it was more than um, I don't think he led the team in tackles because I know Tryon, I think, was second in the team in tackles seven. So it's, uh, it's just one of those things where he had a ton of tackles. I mean, he played a ton, played a lot with Jackson Sermon. Um, you know, Kyler Manu, it's interesting. He, you know, Brandon Wellington, when he was out of the game, Kyler Manu came in a few times, but when they needed to get some stops and things like that, they did not go to him. They really went to, to Edifuan Olafocio, and he looked great. And frankly, I think all the guys look great on defense. I can't think of one player that didn't have a stellar performance, that didn't come up with big tackles, big plays at the line of scrimmage, down the field, uh, stopping guys. Elijah Molden, again, we talked about the pick. Um, yeah, all around. What a fantastic effort. Um, Levi on Wuzrike had a really good game. Um, he was causing havoc. He, he looked like Michael Bennett in there quite a bit of the time. And um, I was in the end zone, you know, uh, getting the end zone shot quite a bit. And when he was coming in, um, 
I'm surprised a few more flags weren't being thrown. But, you know, with Joe Tryon on the edge, and they're having to pay attention to him when he's blowing things up. It sure opened things up for Levi. And uh, just a really, really, really good performance by the defense. It makes me really wonder how good that Oregon State offense is because they weren't impressive tonight, that's for sure. Well, I think it's the second week in a row where you look at Joe Tryon, guys like Ryan Bowman, Levi Anzarike, Benny Potawai, some of those guys. It's the second week in a row where I thought they had a really, really strong effort, especially in the first half. First half, especially against Utah, they did a great job. They obviously did a fantastic job the entire uh, 60 minutes tonight. Um, yeah, they, I think they're just building and building and building on good performances and you're seeing more consistent play from guys like Tuli, Latui Gasanoa, Sam Taimani. Um, you know, Fatui Tuatele was here, uh, was dressed and was warming up. I don't, I don't know if he played at all. I couldn't tell. But, uh, you know, just overall, that front, I think it's the second week in a row where they really showed up. I just give credit to Utah in the second half. I think they did some adjustments, went a little bit more to the run, kind of went right at them a little bit, and warmed down, I think, by the very, very end. But I'll... But, man alive uh yeah you look at those three guys up front when you talk about levi you talk about joe tryon ryan bowman there was a couple times where i was remarking on the on the game day board where there was some uh, i'd call them a group hug sack where they basically it was like a party in the backfield and everyone just kind of met up at jake loot and took him down uh that happened a few times a couple of interesting things um and maybe i just haven't noticed this but they had Miles Bryant lined up as defensive end with his hand down. I mean, we've seen him on the end before, but I've never seen him with his hand down before. Well, I've seen it a couple times. I thought I saw it against Arizona maybe a little bit. The one thing that I noticed scheme-wise was that they kind of went back to that package that they had in the Apple Cup last year. They did that where, a couple of times, yeah. Yeah, where they completely vacated the middle of the front and basically had a couple guys on either side, basically almost of the of the tackles. They had two guys coming in and just completely vacated the middle and almost was just kind of like Darren Oregon State to just go right up the middle or do something a little different. And again, I think it just goes to show you and maybe lend some, some credence or credibility to this idea that Washington felt really comfortable uh, understanding where they, think, where they thought Jonathan Smith was going to go. And... Um, you know, Chris Peterson talked about it earlier in the week that, you know, both teams are, or both staffs of football staffs are game planners. And you can get caught chasing ghosts, is the way Chris Peterson talks about it, if you try to prepare for every single thing that they've shown on film, every single tendency, every single down and distance, all that stuff. I just think, frankly, Jimmy Lake did a fantastic job of just saying, look, we have an idea of what Jonathan Smith does. We know what he likes in general. Let's just work on our keys, make sure that we're fundamentally sound, always tackle really, really well, and just get after it. And I think they did a great job of just cutting it loose. I've got to just wonder what Jake Luton was thinking. You prepare all week and look at film and, you know, you play against a scout team and then you go up to the line of scrimmage and there's no interior defensive lineman. I mean, that's just, you just got to be thinking, okay, what the hell is this? Well, I mean, <laughs> what is this? They had nobody between, they had nobody between the tackles. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking, you know, to be honest with you, depending on the down and distance, I'm almost thinking, hey, if you're Jake Luton and you're 6'7", if you just take the snap and just 
chug forward as fast as you can, you might be able to get five yards a pop. I mean, I don't know if that would have helped him in those situations. I'd have to go back and look at the tape to see exactly what the, the scenario was. But holy hell, I mean, you know, like he it's, he's actually pretty good um, in terms of his, you know, scrambling ability and things like that. He could run a little bit. I'm, I'm kind of surprised they didn't try to do that once just to say, look, guys, we've got an easy call on this play. We can get five yards a pop if you want to do that. Um, but again, I, I, I just... You just got the sense, whether it was the body language after a while or what have you, they just looked kind of, they were shook. They were just shook. They didn't know how to respond. They didn't know how to move the ball. And in Washington, it just kept coming in waves. They didn't stop coming. On the other side of the ball, um, Jacob Eason. I, I don't know if he's not comfortable with this offense, not comfortable with some of the plays being called, but... You know, two more interceptions tonight and the one for a pick six that pick six and Pete wasn't happy about that after the game. But uh, he can't be throwing that. I mean, he's got to see the corner jumping that route. And then again, you know, that was a play where it, it, it looked like they knew what was coming on that play. Well, like you said off the air before, he wasn't even looking. He just, it, it was like an automatic thing. He was just throwing. It did, he didn't even he didn't even look to see if the the defensive back was jumping the route or how close he was. He just was like, okay, this is my guy. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it as hard as I can out there. And it you know it, it's almost like it's not it's not the pick, but it, it certainly feels like it's shades of that kind of thing where you're going in, you're you're moving the ball pretty well, and now all of a sudden you're throwing this out to the wide side of the field on third and short. And it just, it, it almost every single thing that you think about in terms of football basics just all of a sudden feels like it, it goes out the window, right? It's like, why would you do that? Just, you've got backs that are getting three or four yards a pop. You can go that route. You could dump off the pass to a tight end in the middle of the field. You can do something else, but why would you throw a, a, a pass out to the wide side of the field where if, you know, since they are behind, since Oregon State is, you know, kind of like, okay, nothing's really going right for us on offense. I'm just going to throw caution to the wind and go at, go for it. Easy call. And so it, it, it's just a lot of things, a lot of, lot of things that you have to think about with that particular play call where you have to kind of go, what was Bush Hamden thinking? I don't know if that was what Bush Hamden was thinking is what's Jacob Eason thinking because I mean he took the snap from center looked like he looked to the left and just decided to throw it to the right without even looking to see if the defender was there so well that's but that's the problem the problem was he wasn't thinking he just he just he just went off his read and just said okay this is the guy that we're going with we're we I think I think sometimes either he relies too much on his arm strength thinking that that's going to be enough to make the play I don't know or he hasn't played a lot of football in the past couple of years. Well, that's true. There's no doubt about it. I mean, there's no question. He's still learning. He's, he's still very, relatively young. That's why I'm saying, why would you put a, a quarterback that's still very much in the throes of kind of learning his trade at that level, why would you want to throw that pass in that situation when your ball controlling is your ball control's not that bad at that point? You're start, you, you, you didn't abandon the run. And, and to, Bush, to Bush Hamden's credit, full credit here, as soon as that pick six happened, 
he threw the ball very, they, they called very few passes after that. I think they called passes in obvious situations where maybe they had Oregon State looking a little bit with some play action and maybe they thought they could get some things, which they did. But, you know, they, they really stuck to the run after that and full, full marks. You don't need to compound a problem by having him go out and chuck it again. Um, I, I just thought that it was going to be a real test to see how Jacob Eason would react after throwing that pick six. And I think they, right afterwards, it was either a three and out or, or something pretty quick. So I, I don't know. I, I think, honestly, as, as badly as Chris Peterson hates this bye week coming up, I really wonder if this is not a maybe a good thing for Jacob Eason to have maybe another reset and just kind of just really go back and just study some things and just maybe something something needs to happen to take the pressure off. Because I, I don't know what's going on. I, I, did, I read a tweet from Brock Ewart during the game, and he seemed to think that body language, things like that, he could feel that what's going through Jacob Eason right now is something similar that he went through when he was a senior where it just didn't look like he was having fun, and that, to kind of paraphrase the tweet. And it, I don't know. I mean, I, how do you how do you go back to having fun and something like that if you're struggling? Throw touchdowns. Yeah, but how do you get there? And win. Well, one way you get there is with a good running game, which they had today. Savon Ahmed had, you know, a big game with a 60-yard run. Um, and then I think the, the key to the running game today was getting back Richard Newton. You know, with the way he runs, he runs Chris Carson-esque. I mean, he keeps it going. He's running hard. You've got Savon Ahmed looking for the home run and dancing quite a bit. But then Richard Newton in there, you know, really, really being physical. And um, maybe he's lowering his head sometimes, using it as a battering ram once in a while. But it was real interesting. I had a chance to talk to Savon after the game and asked, you know, Savon was the one who brought it up when he sees Richard Newton running that hard. It makes Savon want to run harder. And I thought Savon ran as hard between the tackles as I've seen him in a long time. So, you know, getting Richard Newton back and setting that tone and, you know, not only is he doing it, it's rubbing off on Savon, which is a good thing. It's absolutely a good thing. And, and two things I would say about it is it, it was very, very clear tonight who was in the game by how they fell. When The guy who's fallen forward is Richard Newton. The guy who's often falling backwards was Savon. But to Savon's credit, and he deserves a ton of credit for this, he is the home run hitter of this team. And you give him enough carries, he's going to hit that home run at least once or twice. And that's really that that's that's an argument for more carries for Savon Ahmed. He needs more carries, not just to gain the confidence and to get the feel and the rhythm of the game, but when he finds that crease and he's gone, you know, that that's what they need. They needed that they needed that sixty yard touchdown at the end of the third quarter in, in the really in a bad way. They had to get that in order to find that kind of find that cushion because at that point when you give up that pick six and now all of a sudden it's a 13-7 game and you're thinking wait a second Oregon State is one touchdown drive away from leading in this game and it and it was so one-sided even though the score the score line certainly didn't indicate it but it just didn't feel like it should even be close to the realm of possibility that that was the case yet that was the case drops again tonight and uh hunter bryant, big problem uh, big problem hunter bryant was the main culprit tonight i don't know i i saw a few guys i mean terrell bonham had a third down 
where he was going to extend a drive and the ball is, I mean, Jacob Eason couldn't put it in a better spot for him and just drops it. Yeah, Hunter Bryant, I mean, I mean, I don't think it's a secret that Hunter wants to go to the NFL after this year, but I don't think he's proven so far this year that he's a dependable receiver. I think he shows flashes, but just the consistency with him and, you know, there was two or three, four passes tonight that, you know, today that he dropped that he needed to catch. But the other thing, too, is, um, you know, Jacob Eason, you know, throw. Jacob Eason was underthrowing guys, especially on a couple of deep balls where guys had to hold up. Um, you know, especially the one to Jordan Chin that got intercepted. He he didn't lay that out there enough. But you know, he's not he's underthrowing his deep balls, and that's weird because he definitely has the arm strength. Well, right the the pick that the pick that was to throw to Jordan Chin was a duck. I mean, he, I don't came out of his hand. Must have come out of his hand funky. Um, you, you know, bottom line is. Yeah, you know, Hunter probably had you know a rough time with some catches tonight, but Easton did not make it easy for him. There were a couple throws down the field where typically he would be putting it out there for, for Hunter to go get, and he'd go get him. Um, there were a couple, especially there was one where it looked like Hunter got a little dinged up for it because he was trying to come back and get the ball, and it was just... It, these are classic Jacob Eason throws where he's ne- I mean he's never underthrowing that pass. So early on, Jacob Eason was really struggling and it carried over and again to his credit, he just persevered and made some nice throws at the end and, and got a couple things going, but certainly was not his night at all. but I, but like I said, outside of the pick six and, and, and the underthrow, it, it's hard to, to really fault him. And, and say you know he made a ton of bad mistakes because I think there was as many guys on the on the on the receiving end that caused as many problems as the guy who was throwing the ball too. And then we have a guy who's in the Lou Groza com- you know conversation and a horrible night for Peyton Henry. He missed he missed three field goal attempts. One of them um, he got bailed out on because it was a penalty on it, but he missed. But uh, yeah, Peyton Henry had a bad night. I mean, he was just, he had the yips on that, like, couldn't hit a seven iron. Well, yeah, when he misses a 28-yard field goal after hitting the 47-yard or whatever it was, that's just where it's kind of like, it's a head-scratcher. It's like, how, 40, how does, in that 47-yarder would have been good for 65. Yeah, no, I mean, it's just a head-scratcher. I mean, how do you do that? And then all of a sudden you realize that the other kicks that he missed were basically the exact same way it's like mm, yeah something's really weird there that i just chalked that up to pack 12 after dark there were there were some definite pack 12 after dark moments in this game but that for sure you know when you have a guy that was 16 for 16 going into that 28 yard chip shot and he and he hits it dead right that's just a that's a pack 12 after dark moment yeah no that was kind of weird but uh you know we heard so much in the offseason about you know getting the offense fixed and I don't think it's fixed yet Chris well we're gonna have the whole bye week Kim to talk about what needs to get fixed in the offense or what our ideas could be in terms of trying to fix the offense I'm not gonna dwell on the offense right now but it's just the defensive effort was just too good to ignore and not to heap praise on because that's you know that's old school football, man. That's Don James football. You win the game with ball control, defense, and special teams. And they did that tonight. I mean, they, they had, what, 81 plays to Oregon State's 50. 
That's ball control, baby. That's how you do it. And again, an absolute defensive dominant performance, the likes that we haven't seen in a couple years. And that was, I mean, it was unreal how good that was uh, tonight. And, you know, and again, unfortunately, bad special teams in terms of the kicks, but it didn't hurt them in the, in the long run. But I, I'm going to take away the, the takeaway for me tonight is all about defense. It's all defense. Yeah, no, I mean, it was a fantastic game for the defense. And, uh, you know, another bye week and then uh, back to Colorado. And Colo- I, if you want to get healthy on offense, you know, you would have thought that you could get healthy against Oregon State. They didn't, but uh, they've got another chance, you know, in, on the next game against Colorado because Colorado's defense isn't much better. Well, they, then, they didn't put the points up, Kim, but I will say they got healthy-ish in the sense that, you know, they did put up 245 yards on the ground. That's a really good effort for this Washington team, especially with a guy like Richard Newton coming back. You're not sure exactly what you're going to get out of him. And then 25 carries for Savon Ackman in a career high, 174 yards. That's that's good stuff. I mean, unfortunately, they couldn't make a tally on the scoreboard, and that's what matters the most. But I think they're would it would it surprise me if they end up with a breakout when they do go to Colorado? It wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, I think that's something that should be in the cards. But it's all about this this coming week. I think it's all about getting Jacob Eason reset on the right track, feeling good about where they're headed, and um, I'm sure they're going to try to love him up and and. Obviously, try to fix what went wrong. Bowl eligible, six win. Yep. No, that's absolutely massive. <laughs> Those fifteen practices, you know, because people, you know, let's let's talk about. It. I mean, you saw tonight the development. What what the development over the course of this year has meant to the young guys on the defense. This was to me. This was the culmination of all of those guys that have played. Whether it's Leatu Latu. Whether it's Asa Turner, Cameron Williams, Trent McDuffie had a fantastic night tonight, in my opinion. All of those younger guys. And then, you know, Eddie Ulafoscio, we talked about him. Jackson Sermon played a ton. And then uh, and then you've got the interior guys. Thule, Sam Taimani, Taki. There's a ton of guys. So, uh, to me, this was the culmination of all of that development coming good. They're going to have another bye week. They're going to be feeling good about it. But, yeah, I think the... The focus now turns to the offense after giving the giving the defense their props and and figuring out what's uh, what's going on on that other side of the ball. Ty Jones out there. He didn't, I didn't think he had any targets. He definitely played though today. He did, but I think I want to say they pretty much ran almost every time that he was out there. And then, did you notice any other of the freshmen who we had seen see the field at all? No, I had not. I did not. I'm gonna have to look at the participation chart but nobody stood out that I saw. Yeah I mean Tuatele was out where he looked like he was going to go in a couple of times but he didn't so um, we'll have to take another look at the participation chart because we're driving. But anyways uh, final thoughts Chris Fetters? Um, Pretty much laid it out again you know standout performance by the defense a historic one in many ways. one that I think we all kind of saw coming. We thought it was going to happen. I think we all thought it might happen a little earlier, come together. But uh, never doubt Jimmy Lake and what he is capable of doing with this defense. They showed up in a big way and, um, you know, none too soon because they needed it tonight. They needed to shut down Oregon State because the defense or the offense needed a lot of help. 
and the defense picked them up. Now it's going to be incumbent on the offense to pick them up when they need to. And uh, like as, as you've already laid out, Kim, no better time to do that than against a Colorado team that's really struggling on defense. And, and again, going on the road, it, it's, uh, it's good medicine for this Washington team. They seem to play well on the road, road dogs, um, except for that Stanford performance. That's pretty much the only one where they really stunk it up. But outside of that, they've, they have played pretty well on the road this year and um, overall a good road trip. Um, I'll also want to give standout uh, and, and some shout-outs to, to Coach Hop and to that basketball team up in Anchorage tonight, beating Baylor, number 16 team in the country, coming back from a seven-point halftime deficit. They're, I think in the second half they were down even double digits before coming back with such a young team. Certainly bodes well for the future there. So a lot of good stuff happening for Washington football and basketball tonight. Yeah, just really, um, really, really looking forward to the basketball game coming up on Tuesday against uh, Mount St. Mary's. Um, just a little bit of basketball that I saw tonight. I, and I've been telling you guys for a long time, this team could be special. And uh, get your basketball tickets. And, you know, depending on how – they're going to go to the tournament. You know, how far they go is going to be largely dependent on how these kids mature. But – Boy, they've got some talent, and, and uh, once they start rolling, if they can win a game like this against a team like that, like Baylor, imagine how good this team's going to be come January. I mean, with Jaden McDaniels, Isaiah Stewart, Quade Green, uh, Jamal Bay, um, Nas Carter had a big night, and Hamir Wright's really stepping it up. So it's really going to get be exciting, and you know, get your tickets because Heckhead's not a big, big, big arena. So um, they were up. They sold a thousand more season tickets for basketball this year, is um, uh, what I heard. So, um, anyways, but um, hey, we're gonna we're gonna let this run because, or we're gonna get out of here because we're starting to get a little bit foggy. We're probably about 20, 20 miles outside of where we're going into Tigard, the Marriott there. So. Anyways, for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Reynolds along with Chris Fetters. Go dogs.